it's time for the guy who always gets you to the ball game on time. And here's the pitch. It's Matt Wyatt with all the good stuff you need to know. My goodness. This, this right here, this right here, boys and girls, is what a live radio show sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Live on the radio with you on this Wednesday. Welcome in, welcome in. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau Go! With the home team, they are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. And yes, the conversation has continued into today since everybody was off yesterday for Independence Day, celebrating July 4th. The conversation with my Farm Bureau insurance agent, yep, my friend Mark Guin that handles our insurance up here in North Mississippi, it continued today trying to figure out how we're going to get this windshield or, or back window that busted out fixed. <laughs> in the old car there but uh yeah it's just nice to be able to work with somebody you know and that's just one of the many reasons i suggest if you don't have your insurance with farm bureau you need to give them a shot all right two hours of live radio this is not taped it's not recorded i don't, I don't really do that maybe i should i don't <laughs> it's either all or nothing with this show is what you get including a man named beaver who got hamburgers and chicken strips and all kinds of fixings on for his July, not July 4th, but July 3rd celebration. Beaver, how you is? I'm good, Matt Wyatt. And why should the 4th be the only day yeah. that we enjoy meat <laughs> and, and America? Hey, you know what I love about the plate of food that you sent me, Beaver, the picture of it? <laughs> What's that? One, it's all protein. Yeah. I mean, there ain't a green leaf anywhere near this, okay? There's no lagoons. That would be beans. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's three grilled chicken strips, four big hunks of country-pleasing sausage fresh off the grill, and a filet Wrapped in bacon, filet mignon. <laughs> I'm going to guess what? Probably medium rare is how that was cooked. Am I close? Indeed. He, that man, knows his steaks. And that's what's on the plate, y'all. I, I mean, potato salad, eh. beans, nope. Salad, <laughs> I love it, first of all. So it's a plate after my own heart. And the next best thing about it, Beaver, is it looks like you were going to wash all that down with a blue Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, I look at that and go, if I were there, those are pr that might be the exact plate that I would have fixed for myself. I was really proud of you. Was it good? Did he do, did oh. Big L do a good job? Yeah. Yes, he did. Very good. And, yeah, to go back to the green, uh, I don't know if you ever watched the show New Girl back in the day. No, nah, I didn't. There was a character on there named Nick, and I always go with a quote he made one time. Yeah. Someone asked him, he, he said he was getting in shape by eating salads. And <laughs> his friend said, oh, well, what kind of salads? He goes, chopped up pieces of ham. <laughs> and, and he said, just the ham? And Nick said, 
Yeah, I think it's weird to eat things that are green. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to mix some in there every now and then, don't you? I mean, it's good to have a little... I mean, everything in moderation. But, but look, if you go to something like this, a July 4th type of cookout, and there's chicken, and there's sausage, and there's steak... Why would you waste any of the room that you have in your stomach on other stuff when that is available? Yeah. That's the way. And, and you know, water. Who wants to drink water when you could drink blue Gatorade? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say there are very few. When it's hot outside and that blue Gatorade comes out of the ice and it is ice cold, there are very few things that are better than that blue Gatorade. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm glad that... Um, you had a good time. Hey, Beaver, I got another question for you. Okay, I just got a text, Beaver, on the country pleasing text line from Daniel and Madison. And Daniel says, I'd rather listen to an old Matt Wyatt show rather than those idiots on ESPN. All right, and, and it came in uh, two minutes ago, so at like 12.03 here as we do the show live. But if you look, Beaver, just before that, it appears that we. We may be the first live show back on the air in several days. What was the last live radio show to emanate from our radio tower? This we, show. This show on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> See, all right, let me just say, I don't feel quite so bad now, Beaver. I mean, I genuinely, it genuinely bothers me how... Here a day, gone a day. Here a week, gone a week. I have to be this entire month. It's just this month of the year. Um, and, and I've felt bad about it. <laughs> okay? But I don't feel quite so bad. We were on the air on Monday. We did our show for two hours on Monday. Uh, we were off yesterday like everybody was and should be for July 4th. And then we're back today. But it turns out. If you, if you listen live, you had this show on Monday from, if you listen live again, 12 to 2. And then here we are back again today on Wednesday. So, Beaver, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm incapable of being the most consistent radio show during the month of July. But I guess it could be worse, couldn't it? Yeah, and if it makes you feel any better, I've noticed that this whole week, Dan Patrick is out, and Dan, Dan Patrick is the best out there. So, you know, if if the best out there, Dan Patrick is yeah. out, down here in, you know, on lowly 105.9, yeah. eh, you yeah. can miss a little time. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it ain't I ain't missing just to take days off. <laughs> Re really yeah. and truly, I, you know. Now, I will say next week's different. We do take a family vacation. That's a yearly thing, but there's a lot going on. Jake uh, missed the last, the bulk of the last eight days anyway, too. So you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Man, it's just that time of year. And you know what else, too, Beaver? I feel like most people that listen, okay, because the people that listen to, to this show or to Jake or to Bo in the morning, you know, most of them are sports fans, right? I mean, that kind of goes without saying in varying degrees of fanaticism. Uh, they're sports fans. And it's just like this is the month where the whole sports world we just kind of let go for a few weeks, don't we? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's just even if you're a diehard Major League Baseball fan, which is really the only, and you got golf too, 
But again, even if you're a diehard Major League Baseball fan or if you're a diehard golf fan, still, even this month is sort of, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I mean, Major League Baseball, what, in two weeks you're going to get the All-Star game, you get the All-Star break? This is just, the month of July is we all go on vacation, we take time off, we get holidays, we spend time with family, we disconnect, we go fishing, you know, we get out, and then it's like, I don't know, everybody plugs back in in August, which... On that note, B, I need to ask your opinion on something. Um, how do you feel about SEC Media Days that happens in the month of July? You know, it's. I used to enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. I still, it's 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 not a bad thing. You get you get some things that are fun to talk about, like last year's little Saban Fisher blow up. Uh, yeah, but overall, it's it's. It's not what it used to be simply because it used to be like you had to be there right. or you had to wait until the next day to hear about it. But everything is so instant now. Plus, now it's televised, which it has been for a few years now. But, right. you know, in the world we live in now, it's not as dire, I don't think. Not not dire, but it's not as pressing that you yeah. got you to gotta be there or you got to wait to listen the next day to hear what happened. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem as, as urgent. Uh, yeah, urgent, event. that's it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's kind of how I feel about it. I guess they're going to have it in a couple of weeks. See, but to illustrate for you, Beaver, there was a time, like when I first started doing radio, sports radio here in Mississippi, which I'm trying to think now. How many? Man, this is fifth. I guess this is, is that right? Is it 15 years? Yeah, I've been doing it for 15 years. And when I first started doing it, Beaver, SEC Media Day is something we look forward to. Fans really look forward to it. It sort of was what marked the calendar in July. You know, and then they used to have it the last week of July, and then they moved it up, and it's kind of gotten earlier during the month. But, you know, and even from a radio perspective, it's like you just sort of expected to be there. And the event itself used to be a little more geared towards um, you, you know there was a TV element to it but there was it was less geared towards television it was more geared towards you know print media radio we got people to come sit down and and really since the SEC network popped out there in 2014 and certainly the last few years just the event of quote unquote SEC media days has number one, been largely shifted and driven towards a TV type of... It's a TV talking head event, is what it is. It's less about print and stories. It's it's less about catering to, to local radio stations the way it used to be. And rightfully so. I get it. You know, the SEC's got their network, and why wouldn't they turn that into a major program that they would drive, try to drive people to their TV station, their TV channel, the SEC network, which they do. But in my opinion, because of that, it really changed SEC Media Days from something that it sort of felt, I don't know, it it sort of felt behind-the-scenes-ish. It was so unique, and local people, like regardless of what state you lived in, whether it was Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, you would get local coverage from media days of local teams, players, coaches, whatever, and it felt sort of like your angle on it. It's really changed from that and gone away from it. It's just 
it's just not at all the event that it used to be. I, it is a it is a much bigger TV event than it used to be. But anyway, the reason I, I ask about it is that's coming up in a couple of weeks. And I used to look forward to it. And then I certainly felt obligated to be there, for sure. And over the last couple of weeks, last year was the first year that I missed going to media days. I did it intentionally. It wasn't something like I couldn't. I just made the decision I wasn't going. Because I couldn't figure out what my angle was to go anymore. Number one, we have media day, SEC media days in a couple. I don't even know where they're having it this year. Nashville, I think. They're moving it around. Um, number one, from a coverage standpoint, the whole thing is broadcast live each day that it's going on anyway. So, number one, practically, from a practical standpoint, I don't have to be there to cover it. I don't even have to be there to hear what they're saying live even on this show, because they're pumping it out there on the SEC+. Plus. You know, that's one thing. Two, the, the cost <laughs> that they would make somebody like me, a local radio station, a local radio show, the cost that they would charge me to, to reserve a space uh, to set up for the show and to reserve Internet access, and all those costs have gone up as the event has moved around and gotten bigger. I couldn't, you know, I'm just looking at it going like, well, why would I want to just voluntarily go pay that as you know as I used to? And then the other thing is the content itself that comes out of there. It's almost like as the characters in the SEC have changed, and the event has become a bigger TV deal, the content that comes out of there just isn't as good as any, any, anymore. It's just it's just not. And God rest his soul with Mike Leach there. It was you knew that was going to be there was going to be something entertaining to to watch or listen to. And now that he's gone, it's like, what do you have? I mean, we're going to have Lane Kiffin there at Media Days in a couple of weeks. And outside of his interview, maybe on Feinbaum, which we know will probably be entertaining, outside of that, I mean, is anybody, you know, sitting on the edge of their seat waiting to see what anybody says at that event? It's crazy how that's happened, but I'm not going. <laughs> so that's another thing that has changed with this month. In terms of, I guess, in the sports world around here, is you used to sort of mark the summer, really the end of the summer, and you'd turn around and start football practice with media days. But I think less and less people do that. It's just something that's going to happen. And it became, I mean, for, for good, for better or for worse, it's a TV event, meaning any of us can follow it on TV now. And I guess if I had my own TV network, that's probably what I would do if I owned the conference. <laughs> you know, more power to them. I understand the decision, but it certainly doesn't. It, it certainly doesn't. You know, draw me in or want to get me there. And I think for most sports fans too, it's like, sure, you may you may be able to get some local coverage of. You know, something going into or out of your team, your players, your coaches going into or out of media days. But think about it. One, you can follow all of it live because they're going to broadcast it all live. And even if it's not on TV, just pull up your phone because the, the SEC network now goes to your phone on SEC Plus. And the teams themselves. Like, State will send a video crew from its own video department, pump all that stuff out on social media. We'll get behind the scenes and on the plane, and every team's doing that. So it, it's a much different event. It's, it's, it's more of a... Um, 
I don't know. It's more of a background event, I think, now than it used to be. Um, yeah, so that, that changes the month of July for me also. be a little bit different for sure. Okay, I got to ask this. I didn't know that this was going to come up, but here it is. So, so Daniel in Madison, he's the one that texted earlier, and he said, um, he said, I'd rather listen to old Matt Wyatt shows rather than the idiots on ESPN radio. And he said, maybe you should put together a two-hour show of your greatest soapbox rants for me when you're not going to be there. And then I said, well, that's actually a great idea. Can you remember any of them specifically? Because, you know, I, I guess there's some of those out there, but I'm not sure where, <laughs> I'm not sure, uh, where some of them are, and I might have to go way back. And, and that would at least be something. But he goes, he said, there's been so many good ones. One of the most memorable to him, he says, was when John Cohen left and how he left. And then he says some of the NIL garbage as well. Okay, so I, and I'm, not, I'm not committing officially to, to you know, 100% I'm going to make it happen immediately. Because it would be a quick turnaround, but I'm going to consider the idea. So what I'm going to do is if you send me any of those suggestions, I'm going to make just slowly but surely a little uh, list here that maybe I could work off of to go back and get some of that. So I've written down John Cohen left rant, and now I'm writing down NIL garbage. <laughs> uh, and so we might that might be a way to do it too. A best of ranty Matt. Beaver calls me ranty matt when i get on that kind of kick uh jake from yazoo okay so we, I, we got it we got it we got it there was we got a conversation going on back there on the on the back end got that uh unnamed texture says check this out for the game tonight the Orioles have moved Jordan Westberg and Adam Frazier up in the batting order, and Westberg is batting cleanup. How about that? Yeah, fresh up to the majors, and so he's played in seven games right now, according to those stats you sent me. That, that's helpful, by the way. Thanks for the, the box score type stats right there. But tonight, um, and the Orioles are playing good baseball. I don't know where they are in the standings. I haven't checked it lately, but I knew they were having a pretty decent year. Uh, Adam Frazier, former Diamond Dog shortstop. He is the second baseman for the O's, and he is batting third in the lineup. What is he? Let me let me zoom in on that. He's batting 228 on the year with 10 home runs, 11 doubles, a triple. Okay. On base plus slugging is 299. Not bad, Frazier. He's so he's third in the Orioles lineup. And uh, right behind him is Westberg, the rookie, up for the first time through seven games, batting 304. Doesn't have a home run yet in the majors, but a couple of doubles. Seven hits in his 23 at bats. He scored four runs, batting 304 with an OBP of 385, slugging of 391, and maybe to get more at bats, uh, that'll go up for him. Thanks for sending that along. Uh, Paul Texas Show says. Same with me. When you're off, I'm off and listening to other stations. Give us a rant. Well, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't listen to other station. Why would you do that? <laughs> Keep it here. You never know when we pop in. Every now and then say hi. Uh, so it says, give us a rant. Okay. Okay. We might have to. 
I might have to actually act like a pro radio person for a change and actually pull some of this off. And uh, again, thanks to everyone, including Daniel and now Paul, for joining us here, kind of in a, almost like a live production session here uh, on the show on this Wednesday in the middle of July, or early July, I should say. Uh, somebody texts the show, says, Gray Kessinger hit his first home run for the Astros yesterday. How about that? And super local. Local high school, local college. and Now up and first major league home run. Really cool. Really cool. Bulldog 44, Texas show. He says, I know this is off topic today and you don't do much MLB, but I really want your opinion. If Shohei Otani ends the year with, say, 45 home runs and wins 15 games on the mound, would you consider this possibly the greatest individual season in history? Says I would hate to have myself. Always say with how much more athletic ability baseball players have become in the year-round training and analytics. Listen, you know, greatest year ever. I, you'd have to go back and compare it, but I just know in my lifetime, you've never seen anybody like Otani, who's two-way player, and you know, relied upon dominant on the mound, relied upon maybe one of the, one of, if not the best, hitter in all of of baseball. Didn't I see, though, Bulldog 44, where he just slipped off to the injured list along with Trout? Did I see that? And it, it may just be a few weeks off to heal something up, but you might read about that. Bulldog Blitz says, Matt, Matt, Mad Matt Beyond Thunderdome needs to be the name of your rant show. Mad Matt, that's not a bad idea at all. Yeah, Babe Ruth did it. A little pitching and hitting. Stick around. Do you crave your sports? It's often difficult to satisfy that special hunger. Not here, because you've got Matt Wyatt. Oh, I am starving. Don't worry, he's got a menu full. Back with you. Rolling along in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. Beaver's here. I'm here. You're here. Thanks for tuning in. You can be a part of the show. Please do so. You can call me. You can text me. Call me on the Divini phone, Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. You're a Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., in fact. means they've been doing it better, longer than anyone else, right here at home at Divini. Number to call the show, 995-1059. That's a 601 number, 995-1059. You can also text me on the country pleasing text line, 885-3776. 601 number, 885-3776. Hey, by the way, this is sort of, uh, it's just a random thought. But I was, I've, since <laughs> we discovered earlier that by looking back at the old text on the country pleasing text line that here on uh, The Zone, we were the last show on the air back on Monday at noon. And then here we are again. And so it's just our, our text from that day. And I was going back and I realized that on Monday we were looking at that list. Somebody at Fox college football had put out a list on Twitter of the top quarterbacks in the SEC since 2000. 
and read off the list, you know. And we had uh, a little debate at the end of the show. Eli Manning was on there from Ole Miss, but not Chad Kelly or Corral. And from State on the list, the top ten since 2000, they had both Dak and Nick Fitzgerald, and so there was a debate going on about that. And uh, But one of the debates was McCarron at number five. A.J. McCarron was the lone Alabama quarterback on that list since 2000. They had him at number five, and I was like, well, wouldn't it be Tua and not McCarron at five? And But then it hit me after the show was over. I thought, wait, the list was since 2000, and if you looked – uh, Bryce Young was not on it, and Stetson Bennett was not on it. Like, wouldn't you have to consider if you're making a list that, you know, comes to modern to now, in your time frame? Wouldn't you have to consider them? And I guess I forgot. You know, Young really only played two years of college football, right? His freshman year, he barely played. Like he handed the ball off a few times. Through one touchdown the whole year. But then as a sophomore is when he was the starter. He exploded. He became the Heisman winner. He completed 67% of his throws for almost 5,000 yards that year. 47 touchdowns and only 7 interceptions. That was in 15 games. And then this past year, you know, um, they lose a couple of games. Right? And don't make it to Atlanta. They're not in a playoff deal. And so... He only played in 12 games this past year. So the previous year played 15, so three more games the year before, but in 12 games this past year, it was, you know, like he's really good, really good touchdown to interception, 32 to 5, completion percentage of 64% and 3,300 yards. The numbers don't just, you know, knock you out of the park. Anyway, I, I say that to say that it, it looks. Like now, we are, we are living in an era where very few of the best quarterbacks are playing for a full four-year career, let alone five, right, with the new redshirt rule where you can play a few games and still redshirt your first year. You're not seeing anybody with five-year careers. You're really not even seeing, seeing anybody with four. You know, the, these a lot of these guys are three and done. And in the case of a Bryce Young, you really only saw him for two years. Played two seasons, 21 and 22, because in, in 2020, as a freshman, the, the COVID year, again, uh, they had Mac Jones. He was the backup. Bryce Young got in there and handed the ball off a bunch in seven games, but he only threw 22 passes that whole first year. And so we're just – when we have these all-time lists, like how are you going to compare somebody now, like a Bryce Young that comes in there has one good flash season, and then it's about just going to the NFL immediately – and compare that to a, going all the way back to a guy like Tebow, who's got, what, multiple Heismans? Did he win two or did he win one? But, you know, multiple championships, right? And play for three, four. Guys like Fitzgerald to play for five across five years. I mean, it's just, yes, the outlier in that is kind of like the, these otherworldly flash-in-the-pan guys like... Um, Cam Newton, one year where he was the most dominant guy we've ever seen at the position, I think, in, in the SEC, and did it for one year, and you don't argue that. Or Manziel, who was like really, really across two years, but that one year he was phenomenal. Joe Burrow, you know, transfers in, but but did play some across what four years of his career. He just played two for for LSU at the end of it. So it's very different 
judging career versus career. I, so I, it's almost like the parameters are, are hard to figure out when you make those lists. On that note, real quick, let me just say, and then I'm coming over the text line. So we started back on Monday, just for fun, see how it goes, a way to count us down <laughs> throughout the summer up to college football season. 60 plays in 60 days. We started at number 60 on Monday because that was 60 days away from Saturday, September the 2nd. Yesterday would have been 59, but we were off. So today we'll make it up. We'll do 59 and 58. Today we are 58 days away from Saturday, September the 2nd. So I've got two plays today that we'll, we'll listen to the call, and I'll watch it and kind of tell you what I see. But one of those is coming up, and since yesterday was Independence Day, but we weren't on, uh, some people gave me a suggestion of a play from the Independence Bowl. Uh, we went to a July 4th celebration for the city of Saltillo in North Mississippi. Our daughter, Mary Liddy, was invited to sing the national anthem before their you know, celebration in their city park and did fireworks and stuff, weather permitting, last night. And so we were up there for that. And I saw two friends of mine, uh, Tony Finch and his son, Jackson. Jackson's at State, works at State now. Tony and I used to work together years ago at Northeast Community College. And anyway, they said, hey, you know, we were thinking (laughs) about your play deal. He said, and since today is Independence Day, and Jackson chimed in. He said, yeah, you should have done one from the Snow Bowl because it was the Independence Bowl. That two-point, they or the the diving touchdown by Wayne Mack and stretching them all over the goal line. I said, that's a great idea, but we weren't on the air because we're celebrating July 4th. So we'll do it today. We'll have a, a play from the Snow Bowl, the Independence Bowl, and then we'll have another one coming up in hour number two. So that'll be fun. All right, Tim texts the show and says, Matt, could you tell us what the new state offense is really going to look like and the big difference between Mike Leach's offense? Whew. Well, uh, let me try to cover some ground in two minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, one, it's going to look different in terms of the way they line up. Formations and the way they line up. The The number one difference is it will include tight end personnel a lot, depending on who's healthy and that sort of thing. You know, they, they went through spring without actual tight ends on the roster. They, were, they had about three guys who were converted to tight end from some other position. So they use those in the spring, but you have a, a transfer coming in from Georgia, a tight end, uh, tight end coming back to them from TCU. And so if those guys are healthy and, and they're going to be ready for fall practice, they'll be on the field. And your formations are going to look different because you'll use a true tight end. Also, I think uh, one formational difference, Tim, is they're going to line up a lot more in the pistol formation, which is the quarterback and shotgun and running back directly behind him, even though the quarterback's in shotgun, instead of one side or the other. You know, that'll be another formation you use a lot, and you you didn't really see that in the office. So that's pre-snap. You'll see some differences because of personnel and, and the way they'll line up. Now, in terms of plays that are run, here's another very obvious difference. There will be a higher percentage of run plays called from the sideline than before. You'll notice it. I'll notice it. will be very noticeable in certain situations. There, there will not be, you know, as many pass attempts in certain situations and more run calls will come in directly from the sideline. Um, 
also, you will see more like misdirection. You might call it sometimes trick play type stuff based off of those run plays and run game in this offense than you ever saw in the Mike Leach did, right? Because, one, if you're not running the ball a lot, there ain't going to be a whole lot of trick stuff you can do off of it. But in this one, you're going to run it more. And there's going to be all kinds of tweaks and things and keeping a defense off balance and use their reverses, speed sweeps, you know, use their pursuit against them. There'll be a lot more of that. But, you know, in the pass game, I don't think there's going to be like this humongous obvious difference in in the types of pass concepts that you're throwing from the pocket. Everybody uses air raid concepts anyway in terms of route concepts and running to open grass and how you read a defense and when and where you throw the ball. And you got a guy in Will Rogers who was so proficient, they're going to just basically morph a lot of that into their pass game that they'll use with him as long as he's here. And one other difference you might see is I think they are going to give somebody a chance to be a quarterback who is used on a goal line situation, which would be different than what they've done in the past. So there are obvious things, and a lot of that will depend on who's healthy and and who they're playing against, that sort of thing. Hope that helps. More of your text moving along here on this Wednesday with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. With you, I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! The home team. Y'all can text me on the Country Pleasing text line, Country Pleasing Sausage, on grocery store shelves all around the southeast. Walk in there and say, Country Pleasing, please. They'll know what you're talking about. I'm on some green onion right now. Ate it for breakfast. I ate it for breakfast. And you should, too. Text me at 885-3776. An easier way to remember it is 885-ESPN. I'm going to do one of these uh, 60 plays in 60 days. We're going to have play number 59 coming up in a minute. It was a game that was on ESPN way back in 2000. And so that means it wasn't in HD, and that means the video clip I have of it is hard to see. (laughs) And we've gotten that old. We've gotten that old, y'all, that video clips from the year 2000 are hard to look at <laughs> because we are so trained to watching things in HD. Uh, first, though, on the text line, Blitz had a question. He said, have you seen that giant backup quarterback for Texas? I have not. I don't know who we're talking about. Big quarterbacks. When, when you think of a giant quarterback, who do you think of? I think of Lorenzen at Kentucky. Who was that kid that played for Arkansas a couple of three, four, five years ago that was humongous? And he could run. He eventually transferred out of there. And I'm not talking about Ryan Mallett. 
God rest his soul, he died in a in a drowning accident here just maybe a week or so ago. Ryan Mallett did. But I'm talking about, it was another guy who, he ran the ball some. <laughs> but he was a, a huge guy, too. You think about big ones. There have not, not been a whole lot of 300-pound quarterbacks, but is that what we're talking about at Texas? I'm not aware of. J-Rock texts the show, and he says, confirmed that he would, indeed, if you were making a list of the best SEC quarterbacks since 2000, you would include Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young on that list, uh, for sure, if it was him. All right, here's a play. Let's see what we have. 60 plays in 60 days. Yeah, so if you missed it, uh, the story was yesterday, a friend of mine, my friend Tony Finch and his son Jackson, I saw them up in Saltillo before the July 4th celebration for the city of Saltillo up there, and they said, hey, for your play thing, today is July 4th, Independence Day, so we thought you ought to do one from the Independence Bowl. And I said, well, we're off today, so I can do it tomorrow. And this is the play they wanted uh, from the Snow Bowl. Mississippi State versus Texas A&M in the Independence Bowl, the Snow Bowl. They're covered in snow. We all remember it. It's overtime. Texas A&M leading... 41-37. 41-37. Details on that in just a bit. But State had the football, and if they scored a touchdown, it was over. Wayne Madkin at quarterback. Get the snap off, and they barely get it off. Madkin. Touchdown! The Bulldogs win it! And that was it. A scramble ahead. You know, in the snow, snow everywhere, you know, covering the field. You really can't even see the yard lines. When Wayne dove for the goal line to win the ball game right there, it was you, you really couldn't even see the goal line on the uh, on the TV coverage. He he kind of knew where it was because he's on the field. I guess can sense and see maybe where the pylon is. But it says the you know again looking at it on television coverage, it said the ball was on the Texas A&M six yard line. Well, you would just never know that by looking on the screen unless they told you it was on the six yard line. That was the play. Now, I would, the play is interesting. The scenario, too, to get there was really interesting if you remember it. A uh, heck of a ball game, obviously. Texas A&M jumped up 14-0. State comes roaring back in the second quarter, ties it. A&M goes up just before halftime, 20-14. Um, to 14, I guess they missed the kick because of the snow. So they're up 2014 at halftime. State scores the only score in the third quarter was a Dante Walker, shout-out Clinton High School, touchdown run in the third quarter. State got the kick from Westerfield, made it 21-20. They took the lead, and in fourth quarter, they just sort of exchanged. You know, A&M goes up. They get another score, go up 35-21. You get the long Dante Walker touchdown run in the fourth quarter, cut it to a one-score game. Um, and then State comes up, ties the game up with about a minute and a half left. Wayne Madkin hit uh, Donna Lee. For a touchdown, tied at 35-35, we go to overtime, right? And what what was interesting, A&M, I guess, had the first possession in overtime of a tied 35-35 game in the snow. Snow just it was a problem, especially for A&M's kicker. You know, he had missed one earlier. So they score first 
on a 25-yard touchdown run, go up 41-35. They're trying to kick the extra point to make it a full seven-point lead in overtime. It would make it 42-35. But you remember, you block the extra point. Julius uh, Griffith, the brother of Justin Griffith, the, the fullback who played in the NFL, picks it up, takes it all the way to the other end, and scores a two-point conversion the other way. So instead of a point going up, State gets two points, makes it a 41-37 four-point ball game with State getting possession. So now if they score a touchdown, you know, it's game over. They don't have to kick or anything like that, and that's what led to this play, and it was a six-yard run. All right, so the play itself, let me just describe it for you. Ball on the six, they put it in the middle of the field, Here's State's offensive formation on that play by Wayne Mackin that he scores on. This is State's offensive formation. Wayne is in the shotgun. He's got Justin Griffith to his right, the fullback. So shotgun there. And tight end Donnelly on the line of scrimmage to the right. Two receivers left, tight end receiver right. Okay? So now you got the picture. That formation, you know, I was on the team the year before in 99. Sparky Woods is the offensive coordinator, so it would have been the same thing. And that was a formation that they actually just called right, the word right, as in your right hand. And what that meant was it was just your basic right formation, and that was tight in on the line of scrimmage to the right and a single back. You'd have all these different variations they tag terms on. That would have been called right. Tight into the right on the line of scrimmage, single back, we're just doing shotgun. Two receivers left, one split out to the right. And you can't see on the television coverage the pass route that was called by everybody when they, when they ran the play because it was a pass play. Wayne takes a shotgun snap. He drops you know, to throw, and it's only five-man protection, meaning everybody else went out for a route. The tight end, Donald Lee, releases, and he runs you know, a little hitch route over the ball at about five to six yards. The running back... Um, Griffin leaves the backfield and runs a flat route out to the right. So everybody's out. You only have five linemen protected, no max protect or anything. And in, in terms of routes, again, you get a couple of underneath. you got a couple of guys pushing up the field into the end zone on the outside, but you can't really see them on TV coverage. But you can see this when, when Wayne scored. Of course, he's in the snow. The defense for Texas A&M is in a 4-3 defense, okay? Four down linemen. Three linebackers, and it's the old kind of classic, what do you call it, the over deal, where the, the outside linebacker on the side of the tight end, the Donnelly, walks down. So you got seven guys in the box. The safeties, too, are a little closer. There's one walked up close to the box. There's one off the screen. But it looks like Texas A&M is playing a version of man-free, where they're only rushing four defensive linemen against the five-man protection. They are covering a tight end with a safety. They're covering a running back with a linebacker. You know what I'm saying? The guys that are split out wide have a guy who's covering them man-to-man. So it's a version of man-free. So there's a free safety in there somewhere. And what happens is on the snap of the ball, he gets good protection. The guy's released downfield. He sees it, but there's just an opening. The pass rush for A&M splits. It kind of starts with... The right guard for State drives a guy all the way across the pass protection. And so in front of Wayne, it just opens up. He's only six yards away, and he decides to run. And it's not like it's a third or fourth down play. It's a second down play. 
So he easily breaks the line of scrimmage when he begins to scramble ahead, and now he gets to these linebackers. Well, something happens when you watch the play. Donald Lee, the tight end who played for years in the NFL, has run his route. He's in the middle watching this happen. When he sees his quarterback run, he turns to his right and just dives into a linebacker who's flying downfield to go hit the quarterback. Knocks him off his feet like a knockdown block. If Donald Lee on the scramble doesn't knock down this guy, the defender's kind of got the angle and is going to have a little bit better footing maybe even than Wayne does running the ball, and I bet he doesn't score. The block by Donald Lee just instinctively just decleating a guy right there, boom, in the middle of the field, kept a third defender from getting over there to Wayne. I say a third because he's got one chasing him from behind. He's outrunning him in the snow. And then there's the safety. So, so because of Donald Lee's block, it left Wayne one-on-one with a safety at about the one-yard line, who's standing there squared up. He can't really cut in the snow, and Wayne's running full speed. Wayne takes one little step, goes around and dives, ball over the pylon, celebration ensues. When you go back and you watch that play, Look closely for the pancake knockdown block in the middle of the field on the linebacker by Donald Lee, the tight end. A huge part of why that play scored an iconic play back in 2000. All right, that wraps up hour one. Hour two coming up right after this. Stick around.